You are listening to the Sickles and Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network, sponsored by RCF and Alan Heath. For over 70 years, RCF's passion for perfection drives the design of every product to create unique experiences for venues around the globe. RCF's Aura Pro Series Professional Active Studio Monitors are optimized for near-field studio applications, broadcast, and desktop use. Whether you're in a small studio using a mobile system or hotel room desk, you have a powerful system to accurately mix with uncolored audio reproduction. Learn more at rcf-usa.com for the latest news and product information. RCF, the sound behind the experience. Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. A math problem. If Bob has 12 pounds of taco meat to serve a crew of 10, which contains two vegetarians and only three dozen corn tortillas and five tomatoes, can I get more bass in my monitor? I wish I could break free Back to where I'm supposed to be Hey, I'm Kyle Chernside. This is the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Sometimes you got to spice it up, dude. Yeah, man. You're looking yeah, at absolutely. Like you've never heard. <laughs> Chris Leonard, Sam Boone. Hi, hello. What's up? How's it going, buddy? Um, you know, hanging out. Kemper had a dentist appointment today. You guys are talking about cool speaker shit. I had to go to the dentist with my daughter. <laughs> well, to be fair, Sam's the only one talking about doing cool things. I'm I'm been in the office uh, doing annual reviews and other things. So Sam is just doing my month of education. That's very it's important. good though. It's, very Super important. Important. it's great. I'm loving it. It's been really nice to be able to take about four or five weeks and take a training from each of the big three, I'm taking the same training from each of the manufacturers uh, and then going on vacation. <laughs> nice. That's got to be a fun back-to-back experience like that. That's gonna be I inter- scheduled it very intentionally. Nice. Uh, well, this the... vacation you speak of? <laughs> You're allowed to do I that? I don't know, man. One, one day I want to find a beach. We'll see if it happens. That's what I'm talking about. I hear, I hear they are. <laughs> All righty. So this will be the last week before Nashville. Um, and for those who can do math, it will, yes, be odd that this is like episode 194. Yet next week we're recording the 200th in Nashville, and that's just how things go. But whatever, we'll, you know, we'll figure those things out. But anyway, uh, if you are in Nashville, or apparently people are actually traveling to Nashville, which just still blows my mind, and I'm very appreciative of that. March 8th uh, we're at the Hard Rock Cafe Uh, we have Mike Green coming out to play we'll be out there we got Jeff Hawley from Alan Heath um, and uh, we have um, uh, Tarek from RCF and it's funny half the room is going to be full of previous guests Uh, as I'm looking at like the guest list of people (laughs) who registered like that's going to be kind of cool that literally like half the room is like former guests and then there's other bunch of people there too so it's going to be a fun hang I'm literally already thinking today about how we can maybe make this an annual thing um and uh maybe make it what if we had like a tour bus remember that remember that dream of grandeur 
Yeah, that? I know we're not as, we're not quite <laughs> as cool as the yellow and black podcast. Um, oh, but you know, so good. <laughs> we're almost maybe, there. Maybe, maybe we can borrow their bus. You think we can just borrow the bus and like graffiti signal to noise on top of the MXU? Can we just can we just do that? That's what I, we I think do. you should I, get a. I think you should at least get a certificate for figuring out uh, podcast math and didn't ask me to solve that question because podcast math is like a different math that you don't use. It's kind of like a LP drum claw math. You know what I mean? You ever, you ever mic up a drum kit? You ever done that? Oh yeah. <laughs> LP percussion claw math is like another math that you just don't learn in school. Yeah. For don't sure. know, we don't know how to do our taxes. LP percussion claws and podcast math. Those three things different, yeah. different than algebra, buddy. Yeah, whole new, whole new te- territory. Um, yeah. All right. Go ahead, Sam. Sorry. I said, Chris, why don't you introduce our guest this week? Uh, that's what I was about to do. Um, <laughs> and apologize for my damn cat in the background who uh, won't shut up right now. But anyway. Yeah, I've got one it, too. So it, w- it won't be any different than Michael's Joey. Uh, that's Michael's for those who don't know showing up. So. Um, all right, uh, so this is gonna, this is gonna be fun. I, I'm I'm actually I'm I'm excited about this one. Um, so uh, Dan Dan Gable um, out of Kansas City is joining us, um, and um, the initial connection here is. Uh, Dan has been working with the Kansas City Chiefs for quite some time as their audio engineer has done mm. two, two of their recent Super Bowl parades, um, as well as uh, you, you do stuff for the, uh, the football club. In t- I, mean, I mean, the soccer club in town. Um, and the real Symphony football work club. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of other stuff. But the way I, w- welcome to the podcast, Dan, first of all. Thank you. Thank Yay. you. Uh, um, Happy to be here. I wanted to kick this off by, so you and I both, we're planning for a gig for two weeks that only yeah. one of us ended up getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it probably doesn't happen very often. No. And I was thinking, so the context for those who don't know or may not understand the sports ball world, um, there was this big football game called the Super Bowl that was played a couple weeks ago. Um, oh, and yeah. And, and typically when a team wins, there is a celebration in their hometown, uh, a parade of sorts. Uh, some cities it's larger than others. Um, and um Anyway, so I was fortunate enough back in 2018 to do it for the Philadelphia Eagles. It was the largest outdoor event in Philadelphia history um, oh. and uh, was a m- massive undertaking. We had a week to prepare uh, for that, and I was looking forward to doing that again this year. Yep. Uh, you can only uh, flip so many cars, you know what I mean? <laughs> or grease so many poles. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but Dan, you know, the Chiefs have been on a roll for the last like freaking what five six plus years at this point, um, five years, and yeah. doing great. And so you guys got your uh, second Super Bowl here and got to do the parade and all that stuff. So let's let's start with the uh, parade, and then we can go back to maybe some of the stadium stuff. What was um? <clears throat> let's go back to the um maybe the first time you guys did the parade. And uh, how much involvement did you have with it, or did you show up a mix, or what was your involvement there? Um, in uh, yeah, in 2020. Um, oh, that's right, 2020. I, oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, for for that one, um, I actually was uh, RF and and Mons for oh, uh, the 2020 parade nightmare. Um, and so my kind of involvement with the system design side of it, like uh, I actually have done events there with the Kansas city symphony like, I don't know, half a dozen times, um, in the exact same spot. So, you know, I kind of 
uh, dropped an odd nugget where I could about deployment and, um, optimization of, you know, where we're going to put delays and stuff like that. But, um, you know, so for that one, it was more of, uh, just trying to keep the microphones from getting stepped on and doing all that. Plus also kind of the strange thing is like, I think the high temperature that day was like eight degrees. Hmm. Oh, so, you know, uh, it was a lot of just chasing batteries because even the batteries were, you know, it would be fully charged and it would freeze and, you know, the mic would die about an hour later. And so it was a lot of, a lot of that stuff. Um, um, but the, it's, it's so interesting to be able to kind of do it, do it twice. Um, and we, we did change some things, do some things differently. Um, and it was about, you know, 35 degrees warmer this time. So that, that really helped. Welcome to the Midwest. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So too, how, how many channels, how, how many channels of RF just guesstimate did you have that day? Um, yeah. So we probably, uh, this last time we had, we had eight and last time, you know, in 2020, it was oh, probably th- eight as well. And, you know, a couple of IFBs. So it wasn't anything crazy, but, okay. um, kind of is cool to go back. Cause I had seen Chris, your interview you did with Nathan, mm-hmm. um, about the parade. I kind of had, I saw it after our parade in 2020 and, um, and kind of was thinking about doing this podcast and went back and watched it again. And it's interesting because really like when we had the, the one source and ours, like, you know, it wasn't on a lectern or anything. It was just kind of had a handheld out there, but, um, it's, it's, it's a pretty simple task really, you know, um, doing, doing the actual event and it's just making sure it doesn't fail and making it really, really flipping loud. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's why, I mean, for, you know, the Eagles one, I mean, it was more about, it's more about figuring out coverage and transmission of coverage than it is necessarily like the actual event itself. At the end of the day, it's a DJ and a microphone for the most part. It's just a rah, rah, rah thing. Right. Um, and I just remember, um, you know, it's, so we, when we when we got the call, we got the call basically a week before the Super Bowl, and it was like, "Hey, if we win, the whole city has to plan as if it's going. You have to literally fully plan down to trucks being packed with you know with gear and stuff or whatever, whether they're going to win or lose. So you, yeah, you have to be in this yeah. you have to be in this mental state of like not get your hopes up, <laughs> but fully plan this out to the nth degree because yeah, you know Monday morning you start loading in." Um, yep. and, uh, we went down with the city and we're like, all right, well, where are people going to be? And they're like, I don't know, everywhere. <laughs> like oh. <laughs> <laughs> just a flood okay. of people, you know, and, and they weren't wrong. Um, and, yeah. um, and trying to plan for that, do the coverage and we, and for, you know, I, I, obviously our cities are laid out a little bit differently. Right. So, I mean, sure, the, yeah. the way the area we have in Philadelphia lends itself to having more people in a more condensed area. So we had, for those who don't know, I had, over a mile of consistent audio coverage from where the stage was to where city hall was over three seconds of delay by the time i got to the last tower and stuff but it was uh it's it's a wild it's a wild thing it's fun yeah 100 percent. and you know it's um it's just it's one of those things where for for us i think it was easier to define the areas where people weren't going to be and it's like there's definitely not going to be anybody obviously coming up the parade route and um, the, the space that they, they choose to do these large things, like we're going to have the NFL draft here in a couple of, uh, I don't know, a month, you know, two months, something like that. And, 
and this this is just like the space that they choose to do these large door out um uh, large outdoor events um which is great but um the the topography of the city and the the uh the space itself it uh doesn't really lend well to uh, any sort of linear um sort of sight angle or anything mm-hmm. like that so it was um it's it's a very kind of complicated thing and they don't actually come down they come down uh, grand street and um the union station in kansas city is kind of more off of main street so they kind of have to come down grand and then jog over and so it's it's got like a dog leg right at the end and um definitely uh and i was seeing some of the the photographs and things you shared um with nathan uh, i was kind of like wishing that we had a little bit more of a linear <laughs> setup because you know the estimates i think are in the eight hundred thousand um range but it's all it's just it's like a blob you know yeah. if you see the overhead um photographs and it's just it's hard to to address that that yeah. sort of crowd so what do you think is harder than uh, i mean obviously you're the in-house person as well you do you, you do that for for both teams sporting and the chiefs um and and the parade is a special event I, i'm sure there's different challenges which one do you prefer doing <laughs> Um, well, you know, I mean, there's a special kind of catharsis that comes along with doing the the parade, you know, and, and, you know, in 2020, it had been 50 years since they won a Super Bowl. And I know in 2018, it was what you said, 52 years. Yeah. Well, it was, and it was Bowl, Philly's so. first Super Bowl in 2018, which and it's 52 years of the club being active. So, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's, that's a really special feeling and, you know, the team, you know, nowadays, um, you know, with the, you know, Mahomes kind of taking, um, his residence at the, at the top of the league, um, it's, it's really cool for the city. You know, everybody is like dialed in and the, the energy was there the same. Um, but it's like, it's kind of like the difference between like the first day of freshman day and the first day of senior year. It's like, it's still very exciting, but like (laughs) you're locked in, you know what to do. Um, the, the kind of coordinated effort was, it was a little bit different this time. Um, and it's hard to put your finger on it, but it was, it seemed like we ran into a lot fewer issues with placement and, you know, fewer people saying, well, you know, we thought we could do this, but now we've got a, you know, there's going to be a fire truck here. So you've got to move this lull and, you know, stuff like that. Um, a lot less of that, but, you know, this year, um, the weather was warmer, but we got, we got really bad rain on Tuesday. Um, and so that, that kind of truncated our, our kind of tech day where we would have done a lot of different mm-hmm. work and it was a lot of hurry up and wait and then, you know, tear it all apart, tarp it, batten down <laughs> the hatches and wait for this microburst to blow through. And, um, so that was, that was an interesting day. And, uh, and I think I know, like you said that, uh, in Philly, they ended up having bad weather on the Wednesday, so it ended up being on Thursday. Yeah, and actually, it was a blessing in disguise. Um, yeah. yeah, the parades are typically on a Wednesday. Um, teams fly home Monday; they get a chance to kind of whatever prep Tuesday, and then the parades on Wednesdays. So, in Philly, it was supposed to have been, um, and then uh, it downpoured all day, and so thankfully they pushed it because, quite frankly, we honestly we would have been up all night Tuesday into Wednesday, and maybe actually still not have been completely ready, but just given all the amount of things we had to do yeah. from the from the linear standpoint. Um, yeah, and um, 
and uh, so it was brutal. We were time aligning that 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 whole stretch all in that rain, you know, uh, and getting things ready. And then, see, yeah, we ended up having it on Thursday, and um, um, yeah, and actually uh, this year we uh, I think they were actually already just going to push it a day anyway to give us some more time, but oh, yeah. it didn't matter anyway. So. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It seemed like we actually even did it in in less time, and in like I I think that it was we kind of had like a tertiary delay. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if anybody's ever seen or been to Kansas City and seen the the site, um, it's about from the stage to the top of it's the um, World War One um, National World War One uh, Museum and uh, it's Liberty Memorial up there and at the top of the hill and it's. 1200 feet and about 110 feet of rise from the street to where the memorial is and up there we had a delay and a bunch of screens and stuff like that we didn't do anything at the top um this year which i think it was certainly a lot easier on us um but it was kind of a learning experience you know from having done it um not that long ago and we kind of decided where we were going to be able to uh cut corners um because you know ultimately like there is a budget for these things you know that you can't just just oh let's let's get a thousand boxes and just bring it all out yeah Yeah. (laughs) well that so that was that was the funny thing about this year for us was so last time so there's always for those who don't know there's always two weeks between you know um um the conference you know uh, championship games and the super bowl so last time uh we don't they didn't call us until a week before the super bowl it wasn't two they didn't start playing two weeks it was a week before it was like so i we only had a week to plan this last time this time since we're kind of everyone's kind of aware uh and since we when we were going to the um conference championship there was even some like murmurs but it was like hush hush you don't want to like jinx things or whatever don't jinx it yeah yeah and um and so we had two weeks to plan which last time there wasn't really talks of budgets it was just like Here's what we have to accomplish. Here we go. And that was the first words out this time. It was like budgets. And we're like, oh, okay. Uh, So giving that extra week to plan turned into all these budgetary discussions and this, that, and the other. And obviously there's inflation and things have changed since 2018. So it was a whole different level part of the, uh, well, we knew a lot of what we needed to do. Now it was a whole different level of negotiating and figuring things out. But anyway. um, Yeah. And I mean, I assume that I kind of was very curious that, um, you know, you guys had it, like you're ready to pull the trigger on it. Like it's in the truck, it's ready to go. You All they've got to do is win the game. And so like you guys must have, you know, year over year, you're like, you've learned things, you're going to do something different. It can be better. Like what, how much, how much was going to change for you guys? Um, the biggest couple of things that were going to change for us was just um, looking at, you know, a lot of the aerial footage and going, okay, we thought people were going to be here and here, here. We definitely didn't, you know, there's, there's definitely some areas where we could have used some beefed up coverage, uh, yeah. some areas where we're going to change where some led screens were going to be things like that. Um, yeah. and, um, so, I mean, not too much was going to change. I just definitely made some adjustments or was, I had plans to make some adjustments of things to just honestly just some better coverage. Cause there were some areas where, I mean, people were easily 800 plus feet from a speaker. You know what I mean? You know, sure. from, from an array. Um, and then, it, yeah, so there was just, just trying to make sure that we do it justice. Um, you know, it's funny, the NFL draft, ironically, was actually had just been in Philly at the beginning of that season um, that we had our gotcha. Super Bowl run. Yeah. Um, 
And there is a lot of remarks about how the audio wasn't good at the draft. We had nothing to do with the draft. Um, um, there That's was interesting. A, there was another company that's a little further up north in Pennsylvania who was responsible for that one. Um, And, um, and there was a lot of remarks in the city that it it didn't sound good. Right. And I'll never forget multiple like TV reporters, like, Oh, the, the city, and I'll take this, I'll take the paddle back for this. The city learned their lesson and they, they, they fixed things and did things better. And I was like, yeah, Yeah. fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'll be and, really and interested Kelsey's, to see Kelsey's what it's speech. like. Kelsey's speech too. I mean, that was, yeah. yeah. Or well, Jason Kelsey. Um, sure, yeah, both both of them really. Right. You know? um, I mean, that was like it's it's like an uh, uh, iconic you know sports speech at this point. And um, and yeah, I've never worked harder for one microphone in my life trying to keep that thing tame and between dynamic EQ and ride and gain this that and the other. And but anyway, yeah. So. Yeah, Let, let's go back. Let's let's talk about uh, some of your regular work um, at the stadium. So, how long have you been working at the stadium? Um, and then, what's um, what's a game day look like? I don't know. I, I I talked a little bit on the broadcast episode we did with Kevin Cleary uh, about how my eyes are opened of what it's like mixing for a game. Now, I, I didn't mix an NFL game. I mixed a college game, but my understanding the scripting and stuff is a lot of the same. At least the way the Eagles handle. It. I don't know how you know the Chiefs handle it, but um, I was very surprised on what mixing is like for in stadium. And let's clarify that this is the in stadium. This isn't broadcast yes. that you're that yeah. you're doing. Um, you know, it's uh, the the system. Uh, so I guess to start off, that was uh, this season that just ended was the end of my seventh season. So I've been fortunate wow. enough to, and I'm a lifetime fan too. So like, it, it was um, awesome to get that opportunity in the first place and to still be there after seven years. I feel very fortunate and. Um, uh yeah the whole the whole team up there is just amazing and um it's a fantastic organization to uh to be able to step in there and and uh push some faders for them um but yeah i mean it's it's a pretty old system it's an hla system with oh wow we've got some uh some like four dual 21 rcf subs up in the nest so it's just like it's one giant so you have hla just um like college style covering from the scoreboard yeah. out across the stadium yeah yeah wow yeah it's i mean and if if you've never seen like a or if you're not intimately familiar with the the shape of arrowhead um it is it's open air but there's no there there's nowhere to really hang line array really so the, the uh i mean i wish you know seeing the the super bowl and the hundreds of boxes of k1 <laughs> and k2 they had up in the air in arizona you know i just drool over that but um, you know, the, the kind of point source solution at Arrowhead is really the best solution, um, for the way that it's shaped and everything. And there's some distributed little kind of flower box, you know, sort of speakers underneath some of the loge and, um, concourse areas. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty old. And, um, I, I work really closely with, uh, kind of the facility engineer, uh, Steven Solberg, um, with, uh, digital sound systems. They're the, uh, in-house integrator. Um, and just before the 2019 season, he, um, completed, uh, like a whole overhaul of the audio system and the PA is still the same, but he put in a brand new QSIS system. Um, and so it's, instead of being powered with Macrotex now it's, and we had a London blue system. And so now it's all QSIS and it's super slick. And, um, it was, it was a pretty night and day, 
um, difference uh, for me. Um, it sounds it's it's much more intelligible and has a lot more punch and you know, a little bit more SPL. Um, and so you know, just that's kind of the nuts and bolts of I mean, it. We got a CL five there, which uh, which is great. Um, you know, previously we had a an M seven, uh, which was not so great and uh <laughs> had a bunch of analog like insert cards in the back so you know i had a rack i mean the rack is still there but all of the the gear has been since repurposed but you know i had some distressors and some apex you know dominators and a couple of tube preamps for the uh the announcer mics and uh you know all that stuff was fun uh to play with you know but with the uh with the CL5, you know, just we were able to get rid of that, kind of consolidate a lot of the the signal flow um, and uh, kind of eliminate some failure points and stuff like that that we had kind of been running into with all of the, you know, there's some dry rot, you know, just in, in the cabling yeah. and the patch bays and all of that. So um, simplified it. And, um, you know, now with, uh, you know, the, the primary source enhancer, the, that Rupert Neve plug in the 50, yep. 54 or 45 or whatever it is. Um, fantastic. And just, just love that. And I think it's actually, um, there's the, the referees have a union and they stipulate kind of the signal chain that the mic goes through. And that's, that's kind of a key component of, of what we do there with the ref mic. And yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's half of what that primary source enhancer was built for was for referees yeah. in, in sporting events. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it and, you know it takes a little bit of work, and every day is different. And every voice is different. You know, um, from one play to the next, the mic could move, or it's really windy, or he puts it on upside down, or whatever. Um, you know, we've got a DPA forty eighty eight on him, and and um, I think that was a huge um, uh, improvement for me. We had a sure, I don't know, we had a like a dual dyne sure lavalier that we were testing and some other things that i wasn't um super happy with but the the dpa is amazing um, what what what's game day like is it uh, is it super scripted um like each day you know in between each like uh, down and quarter you're gonna have this role this role this role and stuff like that like how do you how, how, what's game day like for you guys yeah game day um you know it's the uh the the people there at, at arrowhead uh, 65 toss power trap um they're uh they're so dialed in and and the crew you know all between you know, the replay guys that are handling you know pre-recorded assets and um the dj and everybody else the camera guys like everybody is kind of i don't know that everybody's been there for seven years but it's probably some people longer some people's a little bit shorter but you know it's a pretty tight crew and um so yeah it's it is scripted but also it's like you know if we're running into uh, scenario where we're not taking a whole lot of timeouts because the game's going fast. A lot of stuff gets bumped and it can be, it can mm-hmm. become pretty fluid. And so we're constantly jumping around, um, and, uh, trying to get that activation, you know, taken care of so that our sponsorships, you know, stay happy. And, um, but you know, those, those kind of things after so long, like I, I remember my first year, it was, it was pretty terrifying. You know, you're in the fourth <laughs> quarter and you're going back to page five and, uh, you know, the ne- very next thing is something, you know, on page 97 or whatever. And, uh, but now like, you know, a lot of the, the pre recorded things is they're, they're, 
the same year over year or they change very minimally. And, and, um, I kind of, I got, I got all of that, those kind of things dialed in, which is really nice just to just kind of sit back and know what's going to happen. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny thinking back to those, those early days. Um, this is like pretty white knuckle sometimes. One more question. I know I've been steamrolling here and I'll let someone else ask a question, but yeah. what, what was the first time you realized how much, uh, power or control or influence you had on the experience of the fans that were there? That's something, um, you know, that, that is a really cool thing because it Arrowhead is the loudest stadium in the world. Um, and that, you know, is, is cool uh from like a a viewer standpoint you know to be there and it's like it's everything is vibrating it's so loud but then also it's you know presents some pretty unique challenges um when you're trying to uh get everybody riled up or you know you need to hear the ref mic but we i think there was a a vikings game that they were kind of taking care of us pretty handily and um the the fans that that had traveled here were doing the skull chant that they do <laughs> and we we fired up our our chief song and and it was like immediately like a total 180 um turn around and kind of the the momentum and the vibe in the stadium is everybody was kind of like down and then we you know the they start doing the skull chant we're just like hit them hit them with the chop and it was it was amazing so you know that was probably one of the first times you know they they always say it but that was a very tangible moment it's like that this is pretty cool and also you know we can if i do the wrong thing at the wrong time i can levy the team a pretty hefty fine also mm-hmm. um and you know you, you never want to do that so that's that's it is a pretty powerful thing that's really interesting and, to think about so sick um, yeah. how on earth did you go about learning that an A1 for an NFL team is a job, like an actual job? Um, I just, I, I met the right person that, um, he was, he was, uh, the, the guy at the time and, um, he kind of wanted to step away and, you know, put me, put me through the ringer for, you know, six games and, um, you know, the last, the last two of that first year, I, you know, I had it pretty well handled, but I, I don't even remember honestly how, how we met. Um, but it was just, <laughs> that's how this industry provid- works. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It was very providential. And he, he had heard about me from, you know, a mutual friend and, um, asked me if I'd be interested. And so, yeah, my first game with the chiefs, it was a Monday night football versus the, uh, Denver Broncos Man, rival. Huh? It's, it's always a really <laughs> big game. And, uh, the symphony who I also do, do, uh, uh, concerts with, they played the national anthem on the field and we had like a B2 flyover. So it was all like, that was a pretty big, um, you know, culminating moment for me. It was, it was awesome. It was a good day. So correlation between, uh, soccer and football. Uh, you know, soccer is interesting here in the States. It's, you know, people are into it. Um, people love it. It's not, you know, it's kind of that third tier, maybe I guess fifth tier, really, if, if you're looking at 
all of the major sports, but in Kansas city, we don't have basketball or hockey. So, you know, at least here in town, they're, they're third tier um, just because of the interest and everything. But it's like the, there's no ref mic. So that right away is like, you know, that, that eliminates a lot of stress. And um, the RF environment is a lot different. You know, it's, it's kind of apples and oranges, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, but I guess from a fan engagement standpoint, it's a lot of the same stuff, really, you know, um, just keeping the fans into it. And um, they, you know, at, at sporting, they do some pretty cool things with fans and uh, what are they called? TIFOs, the the giant, uh, I don't know, puppet, kind of paper puppet kind of things that they'll they'll pull up out of the stands. I don't even know and, what that is. <laughs> what yeah. is a TIFO? Yeah, I'm not familiar with this. Yeah. yeah what is that? Um. I, you know, I, you just have to Google it. I mean, oh, in, in Europe, man. like they do, obviously the stadiums are massive and so they do huge ones, but we did, uh, they, they had, uh, the, the ice King from game of Thrones, uh, TIFO. And it's just, they, it's just a giant banner and they pull it up vertically through the stands and it's supposed to be, I, I don't know, suppose imposing to the opposing team. And I don't know, but there's also like, there's a really, really loyal following here in Kansas city and people love the team. And, um, and uh they're pretty uh they're a pretty solid group uh, also owned partially i believe by patrick mahomes i think he he owns he owns all of the sports teams in kansas city except for the chiefs in some really? way or another yeah interesting and, and he's opening the first whataburger north of texas pretty much i think we have two now oh yeah I always thought of Kansas City as a second-rate river town. I don't know how many episodes you've listened to, but uh, you guys got Whataburger and some Super Bowl champions over there now. So I guess I got to give it respect. Yeah, um, I I enjoy it. We, I mean, we've had Andrew on, who does the Blue Jays and Curling, okay. and yeah, um, what else does he do? The the Leafs as well, like. Sports broadcast is super interesting to all of us. I think. Um, what would you say? I mean, obviously, you talked about your anxiety when it came to the the Super Bowl parade, and you talked about the anxiety of of different portions of the of the game, whether it be crowd interaction or something that happened on the field. Yeah. Um, where am I going with this? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> I I just went like from okay. from mixing live bands. It's 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 this you get the rush but you you get the rush like differently it's like in segments almost yeah it is yeah for sure and it seems to be it's it's uh very prolonged it's like you know it's like a three and a half hour rush and you know we do stuff uh in the playoffs um we'll we'll bring carts out onto the field we'll bring out some you know little pa carts with some acoustics on it and let them rip. I'm sure everybody's seen the oh yeah the clip from 20. I guess it was it late was last year, 2019. Where uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 2022. Where we b- were blasting the CBS. Yes. Uh, yes. The, <laughs> yeah. Their stage like, kind of over there. Uh, yeah. But they, so that those kind of things like they they mix it up. There's always something different. And so while yeah the 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 task kind of not not at all unlike the the parade is to you know make things clear and audible um but also to make sure people are into it and and um and they do a really good job at mixing it up and keeping it fresh and um you know i I think for some of the season ticket members 
you know, if you came to see the same show every single time, you'd probably, I mean, the football is part of it too, obviously, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to try and downplay that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, people come to the stadium, uh, you know, nine weekends every, every year to, to see me mix some, the, some ads and stuff the, in a national the big, anthem and a ref mic. Ads. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, the biggest thing that I noticed and Michael and I kind of talked about this on or off air, um, <clears throat> is, um, in in stadium mixing at least um uh uh or in arena depending on the sport you're you're doing or whatever it's a very utilitarian mixing as opposed to artistry in your mixing uh i mean don't be wrong there's art involved in what you're doing but i mean a lot of it is is like you know uh, knowing which fader in the next um um commercial role and b-roll and dj and this and 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 just hitting cues more than um so the I guess to me, sometimes, at least when I've been doing some of the events like this, the thrill for me is more of just, again, I, I like using the word being responsible for the experience. So whether I'm yeah. responsible for picking music or responsible for making sure that the energy level is right at the right time, that's a different level of art to mixing than you would think of mixing a band and the experience you get out of that. And I think that's so, – because like – I, I would like it so like you do other work you do like symphony work and things like that right so like the yeah. the 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 art and thought process that goes into those things are completely different than what goes into sports yes 100 percent. and you know it's the the same sort of um attention to detail there you know i mean these are both like you know high profile clients and they want everything to be as good as possible uh and yeah, it is, but there, it's a totally different thing. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I will go, you know, we'll, we'll do a, a Friday and Saturday show with the symphony and we'll load out until, you know, two o'clock in the morning. And for, um, you know, say if it's a noon game, uh, at Arrowhead, I've got to be there at 6am. Wow. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just burning the candle at both ends, you know, and, and just one show to the next. And it's, it's that, kind of juxtaposition because like you know at the symphony it's like you're kind of you're out there and you're you're in control but like a lot of it's not really rehearsed you know so so to speak like they they rehearse everything like once or twice and then it's you go you play two or three shows um and they're sight reading the whole time and and you know stuff like that is like it's very seat of your pants from like a being dialed into kind of what's happening on the stage um for me because a lot of them are well i guess really they're all kind of one-offs i mean they don't they don't do a whole lot of things more than once they're they're a, the rare exception but um but so then at arrowhead you know it's um you're you're in control you're you're really locked into kind of what's happening and um but still it's the same the same kind of rush you know when they score um and the crowd erupts and, you know, I've got, you know, my smart mic hanging out the window and it'll be, you know, 118A, you know, hanging out of the window of my booth. I can't even imagine what it's like on the field, you know, because I think we set, we set the record at 142.2. Ouch. Um, All right. Well, well yeah. since we're there, I was going to ask you, I actually, I looked it up and it was a, um, oh shoot, here we go. It was, so it was in 2014, the world record for a stadium. It was against the New England Patriots registered yep. at 142.2. Um, sorry. Who was measuring it and where? Uh, Guinness was, was there, um, with the one beer? of our, 
Yeah. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. Sadly, sadly not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Guinness came down with an, an adjudicator, um, and they were on the field. Um, and there was, it was, uh, the, the rules for it is like, you got to, it wasn't just like they made a great play or whatever. You had like an actual, there was an effort for it. It's like, yep. okay, mm. guys, here we go. And I think we had two or two or three chances at it you know and okay so this game. was like the crowd knew that this is your moment yeah. you gotta do yeah, this just doesn't show up at the game like unless they're, getting <laughs> no, tickets, know, they're, about... they're not working <laughs> they're not showing up <laughs> yeah. you gotta schedule that <laughs> do, uh, where was the measurement from it was on the field um i would say you know 30 yard line on the home, home sideline so um you know uh I'm just trying to it fact was, check Guinness here, okay? That's all. Uh, you know, sure, make sure, sure this yeah. Legit. yeah. Yeah. And uh and that that was it, you know. They kind of we hook it up to, you know, meters and we've got all sorts of different kind of paths for um kind of testing that and and yeah, the the official adjudication came And that what they had to, did it was it pure audience or was it lifted with some some pa noise nope no PA, that's kind of that's part role, of the role, i figured it's a role pure, yeah pure audience that's, well that's and pretty- it's weird because we during the pandemic the chiefs were one of the few stadiums because it's on the larger side and it is open air that we were allowed to have um fans mm. but they wanted to make sure that um, I'm sorry, they, I, but I, I say they, it's the NFL wanted to make sure that the every black. team. And Roger, you can just say Roger. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Those guys. <laughs> but no team's kind of had an unfair advantage. Like if you're playing in Detroit and the stadium's empty uh, and you come to Kansas City and, and there's 17,000 people there, um, I think I think that was 17 or 18 was what Which, we were allowed. That, that's something that we haven't really talked about. And maybe you could talk about it. I, I True. Um, so all of the um, all of the stadiums had to do you know amplified uh, noise yeah. um, and it was all regulated by the NFL and it yeah. was uh, there's literally an operator designated and trained for each stadium um, to run the crowd noise and you had to react to plays and and you had different levels of uh, a, a low cheer or the play is escalating into, and and the sound samples of the audiences were native to each stadium so there were tracks for each stadium that was played at, at, at um, locally uh, at, at each one I, I, and the reason I know this is I know a guy who actually was the operator he did Ravens games and he did Eagles games okay. yeah, um, awesome. for some of yeah. that stuff and I Man, was you're giving fasc- away all the secrets. This is- <laughs> I was, was fa- fascinated. Like the master by it. magician is going to call you and be like, "Shh." Well, it, it only it Chris, only happened. Get the- no, no, no. Oh, it only it's not a sec- it's not a secret. I mean, it was a regulated thing because they needed yeah. it to be consistent. I mean, it was uh, um, commissioned by the NFL, right? This wasn't like a secret thing that like a yeah. team was doing to be an upper hand. This was like you had to be trained and certified by the NFL and commissioned, and it was their playback devices and it was their sound samples that they had put together uh, for each of these. And I don't know if you know any more about that, Dan, but I mean, that's I know that was uh, at least true of Ravens and Eagles. Yeah, I, that's really interesting because I, I um, as soon as that season was over, I kind of just tried to wash it away with <laughs> you know a giant glass of bourbon. Uh, yes. You know, after after of course you know it's a good was idea, a bad, bad time for everybody. But you, you know, with the the um, Buccaneers Super Bowl, that was a sad time for everybody. I think, but you know, 
you, you kind of think about that. And for us, because we had, um, we had, we had people in the stands. And so the, the mm. situational stuff we didn't really have to do because it was already kind of taken care That's of, but they, they gave us a clip that, that they, you know, uh, signed off on. And there's a guy on the sideline every game before they open the stands that we would, we would fire it up and he would walk up and down the sidelines with his SPL meter and say, yep. uh, nope, nope, it needs to be a little bit louder. And then we'd mm-hmm. make the adjustment and he'd walk and say, okay, a little bit too loud. Split the difference. And um, so it was a lot of, a lot of that. And then honestly, at, at the, I think by the end of the year, um, I think that we had actually done away with, with using it. They said that um, they decided for stadiums that, you know, that, that there were people there. We didn't, we didn't need to use it because yeah. it was no, kind of, it, was, make, it ended up being a little bit weird. But yeah. yeah, I mean, for, for stadiums that, that didn't have people, I think, you know, the Royals didn't have people. And so they had a guy over there operating. But do they uh, have people there when that. there are games? Or when, when, never mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, no, no, no. It's, yeah. That's, yeah. that's okay. That's I was being bad. nice. I was being nice. Tough crowd, Chris. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, the Royals yeah. are horrible. We had, we had the Rams, though. So get into that one. We had yeah. great crowds for the Rams until Kroenke took them away. Uh, it's 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 so, still well, so, it's still so interesting the the feeling that you get when you walk to the stadium every day or on on a game day or whatever like that's a cool venue to be walking into every day you know what i mean it and, is yeah and being a fan of the team that you're working for and a hometown kid you know Kansas City like there's got to be something to be said about like walking into that venue every day. It's kind of like when you're doing the symphony, walking into the symphony hall every day. Like there's, there's something that happens inside of you every day when you do that, even though like you might not want to work, you might not like the team they're playing or whatever. There's something to be said about walking into that fucking stadium every day. Oh, it's gotta be awesome. Yeah, it is. And you know, um, the, it's like our you know our window opens you know so we're we're one of the i think we probably are the only booth that has a, an, a window that opens do you have um, a great uh, view e- Eagle, yes. eagles eagles um booth opens I, I i guess i mean on our like on our press level like the only oh oh, oh you mean like yeah, your yeah. stadium oh, okay yeah right. yeah so um you know it's like walking up and and it it's you know in, in August, it's 90 degrees outside, yeah, and, you know... Which your perch, and, by the way, I mean, I'll probably post some pictures on our social feeds. Your perch yeah, is, do, like, do the top of the freaking stadium, yeah. unlike yeah. a lot... Some, many other stadiums would be more, like, club-level, like, mid, sure. mid-level right. view. Yeah, it used to be, and then they, um, I don't know, shoot, maybe 15 years ago, they kind of did, did an upgrade and kind of plopped a spaceship, uh, kind of the same way they did at Soldier Field, kind of a stainless steel spaceship, you know, plop it on top of the uh of the stadium and then you've got you know your updated press booths and a new control room and all that stuff so how how um, far are you from the announce like tv announce and radio announce can you see them yeah uh no no those guys so i'm on the ninth floor and those guys are down on three so they're on the club level and oh and wow so they're you know oh, they like all of that too. is is wide open and everything but you know up on the ninth floor i think we've got the only window that opens so club level they have they have buffet is the DJ <laughs> at least right next to you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So oh, that's it, cool. It's all, it's, you know, it's kind of weird. The The pandemic kind of did us some favors in, in the audio booth because we had to split everybody up. We're still doing the games. And so they moved the announcers. And it used to be, it was 
Um, the systems engineer, Stephen, that I mentioned from Digital Sound Systems, it was myself, the DJ, two announcers, a spotter, a stat guy, and then random people coming down, you know, in a, I don't know, a 20 by eight room, you know, with a massive rack on my left and the console in front of me and tables to the right. Um, so we really, we were really packed in there and, and now it's just me, um, the DJ and, and the, uh, the facility engineer. And it's, mm. it's, it's breezy, man. We love it. It's Fanboy awesome. questions. How many people have walked up to your booth and you're like, Oh man, so-and-so's in my booth. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, um, so you're talking to like fans or like, no, like people? players, anyone walk up and hang out. Yeah. Or so it's, it's weird. Cause I always kind of expect them too because like we had we do a post game um kind of highlight reel show also and so like we're we're very forward facing with the players and we interact with them a lot we've only had one guy that came up to the control room to like to you know give us a pat on the shoulder that was chris jones and uh he came up and he was he was just so excited i think he had had probably you know game of his career on that that particular night and uh, came up and just wanted to say thanks and congratulate all of us on a job well done and you know a lot of a lot of glad handing and yeah he was he was uh, he's a good dude but yeah you know that that happens but not as often as you think you know it'd be awesome if they would come up and rub elbows with us a little more often <laughs> I'd I'd die for like a Terry Bradshaw or like one of the announcers from Monday Night Football you know what I mean like yeah that would be cool oh, we see a lot of those so- guys because they they come up and eat on the ninth floor we're kind of with us. And so we, we see a lot of those guys from the truck. They'll come up and, and kind of hang out, you know, pregame and all of that. So. Yeah. I was going to say, you're pretty, you're probably pretty isolated from a lot of this stuff. I know at least from just from the, where the Eagle stadium is. I mean, like, first off, unless you have like the special pass and all that stuff, yeah. there ain't no passerbys, you know, like in yeah. that, in that area. So, um, that's cool. How yeah. About and s- they're, Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I mean, they're, they're, um, they, they, they've got, a uh you know security of course everywhere and and it's kind of interesting because there's like a penthouse club up there and so they're doing tours and there's there's fans that um i don't know how they get the tickets but there's fans that get to watch from up there and mm. and uh, so it's all really cool yeah i love i love I it. Uh, the ninth they, floor they that's my happy place a lot of extra money <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah right holy cow um real quick let's touch on your your symphony stuff and i know you do a bunch of other freelance work and and probably could be here for a while talking about things but the symphony stuff i find interesting um how much um how much are you um amplifying um and or mixing with the symphony yeah and that that kind of depends show to show um you know we just did black panther and that's kind of one of the more modern films that that we've ever done like we do the harry potter films and i don't think we're not to the the newest ones yet but i think black panther came out in 2018 and so it's like a a really big departure from a film like that and you do you know i'm alone or indiana jones or something like that um but you know for black panther um we had a guest kind of percussionist who played the talking drum on on the film scores and he was there to play the talking drum live um i don't know if you've ever seen or heard a talking drum in person but they're very loud and so situation like that you you kind of have to lean a little bit more on some of the things we uh close mic you know i think in shows where we intend on using the the microphones uh pretty heavily we close mic everything with dpas 
um if we're in a show where like uh we've got a lot of in ears um and we you know it's going to be dialed back uh we do uh leslie odom jr uh he was um aaron burr and hamilton i've done him you know three times and his show is pretty dialed back and and um you know something like that we can just area mic stuff for the in ears and you don't really amplify a whole lot so it's it's very situational um and hellsburg hall is is beautiful and i love working there um and again like i i just feel like i i can't really give enough credit to the crew and the people that i work with um around me in all of these places but um it is a challenging room to mix you know a pop show in or to mix a film in because mm. it is designed to just for beethoven's fifth um and mm. then you you know we hang i don't know 80 boxes of dnb um because they they sit the room in the round also and so we hang you know a ton of dnb wow. um and uh it's just it's it's always a little different but it's it's amazing to to be in there and work with those musicians they're all yeah work class is DNB a very conscious choice for stage energy in that context? Um, I, yes. Um, so we've got, you know, V subs on, on the deck. Um, and so they're kind of naturally, uh, I, I think, what do they call it? Uh, uh, P, uh, PSP is plywood signal processing is how they kind of make the, <laughs> the V a kind of an inherent cardioid sub without it being a two channel okay. box. Um, and and so yeah it's uh we're we're that that was a conscious decision and if we could get our hands on some xsl we'd probably buy a bunch of it and and start flying that in there but right now we've got it's a v-rig um with some y10s for front fill and outfills and then t's do a lot of the kind of upper deck stuff because they don't throw a whole lot of um high-end energy all around the room um and uh you know they're really wide so i think they're 120 degrees so um you can get a lot of coverage out of a small box and and uh we uh we really make the most out of it and it sounds amazing like there's not really not a bad seat in the house regardless of whether or not you're amplifying or or not you know i think it comes down to a lot of the um artists we have a lot of guest engineers and people kind of know what to do and um if you're playing in a symphony hall like that it's it's probably not your first probably not your first time so <laughs> Absolutely. Sam, why don't you hit your uh, your question? Sure. So, Dan, what do you wish you knew when you first started? <clears throat> um, you know, that's I, I think for me, any it's it's always been about um, a work life balance. Um, that's that is a that's a constant struggle, you know, it's a moving target and, um, that's a tough thing to kind of, to dial in. Um, and just, I think maybe I, I would have, uh, considered, you know, in the beginning kind of trying to balance that a little bit better. Um, also, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not the greatest, uh, I'm pretty quiet guy, you know, when, when we're, um, when we're at work, you know, I, I like to goof around and have fun with all the people, but I, I don't network very well. Um, that's something that I think that I, um, you know, my presence on social media, I think at one point I, I gave it a go to try and, you know, put myself out there a little bit more and I don't, you know, 
it's just, it wasn't me. It felt like it was a little disingenuous to, to my person. And, and so I think, unfortunately for me, that probably has held me back from some, some pretty cool opportunities, but also, you know, I look at where I'm at and, um, I can't be too upset. So, you know, I've got a Super Bowl ring and another one on the way and I work with, um, you know, the fantastic symphony and, and the hunt family and everybody at 65 TPT. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm truly fortunate to be where I'm at. So, um, all things considered, I think I've, I've done pretty well, but I'd probably change those two things if I could go back and learn, learn myself something a little, a little better on the, on the get go. I'll do the food question. I'll do, I'll do it. <laughs> Your favorite KC barbecue place. I'll tell you oh, mine man. first. Do you want to hear mine first? <laughs> okay. I love LC's in Raytown. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, and I, I mean, think it's LC's? Just, that, that's like, I think it's more atmosphere than it is anything, but their sure. burnt ends are ridiculous. And you might get shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> so, so, so a little bit of, home, of a different Kyle. vibe. Yeah. It, it's not as squeaky clean as, you know, no. Jack Stack. No. Um, it's, that's tough. Um, I think it's it's kind of depends on the mood, you know. Sometimes I really like. I mean, it's so Casey we're Joe's coming now, but they think this we're going to come hang out in KC because okay. I'm going to come see a sporting KC uh, show. I want to see you mix a soccer game because okay. I I still play and it's super interesting okay. to me. So yeah. you're gonna you're gonna take me to the spot. You're gonna be like, oh, he's from St. Louis. I got it. This has got to be good. <laughs> mm, man, that's that's tough. I think you know, there's a place in in KCK that. I think flies a little bit under the radar. It's called Slaps, and Slaps, Slaps, okay. man. It's it's really good. It's really good. They've got okay. great pork. They've got great, you know, turkey and ham. You know, you know, uh, smoked chickens and all that. It's it's probably it's right up there. So in, in all honesty, I don't think I've ever been to a bad KC barbecue place. To, yeah, like they've all been like something spectacular about it. Whether it's Oklahoma Joe's or like Gates. Even Gates, like it's the chain, you know what I mean? Like it's still yeah. really, really good. Oh, they all, all yeah, right, they I'm all gonna... kind of have their thing that they do well. And, and yeah, it's all a little bit different, but yeah. I'm going to come hang out. St. Louis City's in this year, and I'm going to, I want to go down there and figure that thing out too. <laughs> yeah. Come on down. All right, Dan, if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? Um, Gosh, you know, um, did see that's that's a good one. Uh, that's you know, I, I I think that the some of the most important things to to me in my career have been just being kind of habitually curious and and always wanting to to improve in whatever way. And I think that that's that's a fine line because you know you can't you can't constantly be disappointed in in your work but uh i think being the guy that that always wanted to be the best um and didn't settle for just kind of like what you know ho-hum uh kind of skill set or um you know not really learning anything from one show to the next i think that those um those kind of qualities were always something that I strove to attain and always try to represent, um, that kind of self betterment. And also like, you know, 
betterment of your fellows uh, around you trying to help people out if they need it and you know teach teach the a3 or a4 you know a little something about x y or z and Mm -hmm. um just try to be somebody that's always there and will help and um you know make everybody better i think that's the the that michael jordan kind of aura is that he made everybody better around him um and i think that's that's something to uh, to aspire to you know to make everybody yes absolutely better as well it's awesome well dan uh pardon me sorry um thanks for joining us um and uh i'm glad uh one of us got to do a Super Bowl parade uh, this year, and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of wish well, it was yeah. me. But you know, yeah, I'm uh, glad. I'm glad it could be me. I'm glad it maybe, could be me. maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. You know, uh, the Eagles didn't look like they're they're about to uh, to stop anytime soon. So I don't know about the Ravens, man. I'm sorry, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, I yeah yeah. That's the funny <laughs> thing is um um. <laughs> so I told uh, uh I did the uh I did the Eagles like send off off to this to the Super Bowl um they had yeah, like a party on the that, field yeah. or whatever and and um and so my contact uh this guy Davey who basically runs all of the um AV at the uh or is in charge of all the production at the Eagles um I was like hey man is like so uh I said uh, next week when we're down the parkway uh can you get me a Kelsey jersey <laughs> <laughs> and uh he's like what is this chris leonard and i'm like yeah 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 you know like people give me a hard time about being a, you know i'm a, so for those that don't know i'm originally from maryland and i'm a ravens fan but like you know leading in 2018 leading up to that super bowl um I, I definitely have never cared more about a super bowl in my life than when than when the eagles went uh just because of what it meant from a gig standpoint so from the yeah. from being able to do the parade and then the other work with the eagles i'm you know i think it's okay to have an afc and an nfc team so the eagles sure. are my <laughs> nfc team and and, and that, that's my justification and okay. they, they gave me the biggest gig of my life you know so yeah. i can't not root for them in that sense so yeah and that's you know when when i came home and we you know my wife and i she because she was there with me at the parade and she was kind of watching and got to take it all in. Um, and we were just kind of, you know, trying to, uh, you know, shut it down for the night. And it was just kind of like one of those things like, man, that, you know, this is going to go down in history as something that was really important for Mm -hmm. the city and the people here and the fans and the team. And, um, how fortunate to to be able to be in that place and the guy with your finger on the fader and i mean i know it is just a small thing but uh there's so much that goes into it i feel like a lot of times you know when you're looking at a resume and it's like you're you know 15 years of experience just kind of distilled down to a sentence um <laughs> and it's kind of yeah. it's pretty minimizing sometimes and that's kind of events like that can feel like that it's just like just that little snippet of time. Um, but it took, you know, it takes a lifetime to get there. And, um, you know, the whole crew is like, I had such an amazing crew behind me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I can't wait to do it again. I hope, I hope that it doesn't have to come down to Eagles chiefs, man. (laughs) But, uh, but I hope, I hope we get many more and, um, you know, maybe, uh, we could have you guys out, do a, do a podcast live at the, at the parade. Yeah, oh, man, I'm, I'm down. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look episode. Yeah, there you as, go. Lo- as long as it's not the Eagles and the Chiefs going up the next Super Bowl, I'll help look over your next parade plans. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you uh, hanging out with us. Thank you very much. Yeah, so. thanks, thank guys. you.